Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The September 11, 2001 attacks changed the world in ways that have taken decades to understand. 20 years later, following the longest war in American history and with Afghanistan once again under Taliban control, Turning Point, 9-11 and the War on Terror answers the questions. Who attacked the U.S. and why? What breakdowns in intelligence allowed it to happen? And how did the decisions at the highest levels of three administrations in the War on Terror bring us to this moment? This five-part documentary series features a wide range of interviewees, including officials from multiple U.S. presidential administrations, former CIA members, and U.S. military veterans, as well as Afghan National Army soldiers, Taliban commanders, members of the Afghan government, Afghan warlords, and Afghan civilians, many of whom have never spoken before on camera. The five-part documentary series is called Turning Point, 9-11, and the War on Terror, and we're joined today by the producer and director of the series, and that would be Brian Knappenberger. Brian, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Nice to be back. This is such a huge, complex, involved story to tell. And the fact that you broke it down into five different parts, allowing us an opportunity to kind of digest this and then move forward with the story. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what's inspired your interest in moving forward with this particular project. I think 9-11 was the most transformative historical event of my life. I I just was fascinated with it by the time I was blown away by like so many people. I, I watched it on television. I was glued to the television. I was trying to figure out where this came from and what it was. And and, uh, and as a filmmaker, on the one year anniversary of 9-11, I actually was in Afghanistan. I made one of my first films there. It was just a very transformative experience for me. And I, I uh, always wanted to go back. I've always followed events there very, very closely. I've always had sources and people that I had met there that had con- continued to live there and and had, had gone through what Afghanistan has gone through in the last 20 years. And so I always... Uh, I always wanted to complete the circle, and I felt like it was it was time for that on the 20th anniversary. So we set out uh, about a year ago. It was an extremely ambitious project, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day for about a year. A whole team of people working on this, and it was uh, we did 88 interviews, uh, conducted them four different countries around the world: um, Afghanistan, Pakistan. We we did some we did some filming at Doha, the uh, Qatar during the peace talks. We just tried to to understand both what led up to the war, the kind of deep history, the roots that led to 9-11, uh, the roots of Islamic extremism, and then the choices we made in the 20 years of the war on terror. And it, it just felt like it was time to for a, a, a very clear-eyed look at that. As part of the history, and you get into it in the film, but an important part of the history is the the 20 years before that, yeah. with the invasion by the Soviets into Afghanistan and our support for the Mujahideen, including some of the characters we see later on in, in this saga. Is that an important part of the, of where we are today, going back to that far? I far think look, looking at that history, what was part of the, the impetus, the, the sort of desire to create this project is to look at that kind of deep history. You, you can start before 1979. We basically started in 1979 with the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. 
people don't quite realize this. I mean, it, it, a lot of this does spring from that kind of Cold War mentality. The Soviet Union was reaching out of its borders into Afghanistan in ways that was frightening to the uh, United States administration in a kind of brazen way. The United States administration under President Reagan uh, funded the Mujahideen, funded the people that were against the Soviets, fighting back against the Soviets. And a lot of this kind of stems from that, that period of time. We saw the Soviet Union as the threat, you know, the, the funding and the support that we were giving to the Mujahideen, which was uh, also kind of a, a radical form of Islam, and Al-Qaeda, which, was, which got into the mix kind of in the sort of latter half of the 80s. That, that is something that planted the seeds for, for uh, what came next. So it seemed very, very important uh, to kind of go back to that history and revisit it. Yeah, and this was part of a pattern of behavior the United States and the, and the Soviets as well had been following going back to the beginning of the Cold War. Let's say you go back to the um, overthrow of Mossadegh in Iran, using proxies to fight our wars against one another, right? Using someone else to do the fighting. For me, that's the context of this. What yeah. happened with the Mujahideen, and I think I say that wrong, Mujahideen, was, uh, was also part of what is moving forward in the world we live in today, the politics of it. But what makes this such a, again, a, an important and fascinating documentary series, and I, something I think really honestly, I'm saying this, even though it may sound a little pandering, this should be taught in school. This should be something that mm -hmm. students in, in a history class having to do with this era should watch because it is so thorough and it's laid out so beautifully in the way that it's told that for most Americans, even though we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years and we've lost 4,000 people and hundreds of thousands of Afghanis, we don't know much. If you ask most Americans, they still don't know very much. It's absolutely true. It was really one of the underpinnings of, of our motivation to, to create the series. You know, I think, I think people know about 9-11, although it's surprising. We had, a, we had a, a production assistant on this production that was 24 years old and, and uh, someone four years old or something, you know, when... 9-11 happened. Uh, she didn't know much about, about it or what happened. So a lot of people don't know about really what happened that day, but that day what didn't live in isolation in history. It was it, it came from from somewhere and it led us to create actions after 9-11 that, that affect our lives right now. So I think that, that that look, that recording, that documenting of history that you're talking about, I mean, that that was one of the the real sort of primary motivations to for the project to understand to 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 document for for future generations for people that might not have been even alive on 9/11 what this was all about where it came from and what our role was in it right and without an indictment of the your production assistant it's not just that this happened 9/11 happened it's the things that continue to this day that are happening because of it that should matter to people no matter if 9-11 if happened while they were alive or not. And I want to talk about the film and I want to talk about all the things in it. So I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but what is it about people who don't know why that date matters to the degree that they probably should? Uh, to me, one of the really clear answers to that question is that the war in Afghanistan is one of the most underreported wars in all United States history. It's remarkable. And I say that as somebody who has pitched the story of uh, Afghanistan many times to many networks. You know, there was a reticence to hear about 
the war for during the during this time. And and by the way, this is a source of great pain for soldiers that, and veterans that have come back for the war. They find their friends and family a lot of times, and this is nothing against people. I mean, obviously, there's there's great sympathy for veterans, but they they find to a person that that we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about what was has been happening in Afghanistan and to know it's it's really remarkable. I mean, somebody that I had interviewed said, "Can you imagine if we were in World War II and people were saying, well, wait, who are we fighting again? What what are the various groups? Why are we there? What are, what is our goal?'" We've been doing this for 20 years. And behind the scenes, this is an interesting part of um, Craig Whitlock's work, both his research and, and the book, The Afghanistan Papers. The people behind the scenes, when they're talking candidly, he was able to get all this through FOIA requests. They didn't know what the goals were. They didn't know quite who we were fighting, the complexity of who we were fighting. It's remarkable. It's, it's really amazing that we've spent this much money and this much time and, th- and uh, with this many people, uh, this many lives lost, and to not know the basics of it. I think the reason for that is it's been an underreported war. Our leaders and the president and, and, and officials have not been particularly clear about what our goals are. Uh, they've actively been misleading. You know, we've, uh, over the year after year after year, we've heard that the pain, people paint a rosy picture of what's happening, that we're turning a corner, that there's lights at, at the end of the tunnel, that our goals are being met. That's clearly not, hasn't been true. It's misinformation. It's, it's a desire not to really know what's happening. Frankly, it's led to people being surprised at the Taliban takeover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it's a failure of the political class as much as anything, but boy, that's just my opinion. Really, as you described it, they don't want to talk about it. I do want to talk about sort of the arc of this particular five-part series. It starts out with basically some background into what led up to the attacks of some uh, previous history having to do with uh, the activities of Al-Qaeda in, in, in Africa, the bombing of the destroyer, U.S. destroyer, the coal. There's a whole lot of information here that gives us this kind of context. And we quickly, I'll quickly move through, we get from there to the actual event itself. And then we start talking about how we're going to go about waging war against this terrorist organization. And we we end up from there into the Obama administration and the last episode is really about kind of what have we learned or what are we learning? What are, where, what are we taking forward in this adventure that we have spent close to $2 trillion on over the course of these 20 years? That's, that's real money. It was, you were laying out the saga, the five part series. Were you, could it have gone longer? Did you, could there have been more? I mean, uh, like you covered what you needed to cover in that, in that five part series. I think the most painful part was, was getting it into five hours, <laughs> just to be totally blunt. It was, we really did race through things that I think could, we could, that I would love to sort of return to at some point. But yeah, that was the, the mission was to really look at, and the, the intention was to just try to get as big a, a kind of broad view of everything as we possibly could. In the 90s, as you mentioned, just that sort of that growing threat that Al Qaeda represented in the 90s that I think we that we we didn't quite recognize. You know, I think, again, we were focused on the Soviet Union, you know, this this idea that that history has ended, that that the superpower time had had ended. The Berlin Wall had fallen. This was a new era, and we didn't recognize that there was a fusion of politics and religion happening, and that this was beginning to to sort of surface. There were, of course, some people that that saw saw this happening, um, and and we have some of them in people like Ali Soufan and others 
in the film. But that's why I think it was important to look at this, the way that these attacks were, that, that 9-11 didn't happen in isolation, even within the, the, the kind of progression of Al-Qaeda, that there were acts, things happening, these attacks were happening that were pretty awful that were kind of leading up to, very, you know, very spectacularly the, coal, the USS coal bombing. That was happening on the lead up to 9-11, that behind the scenes. We weren't quite paying attention to it. We weren't set up to kind of see that that was happening. But then our, our overreaction afterwards uh, I yes. think was pretty, was pretty uh, yeah. an important part of the story. And absolutely, and I, pardon me for interrupting, but that is exactly, I think, the point. At the end of all of this, we keep hearing what did, you know, the lessons learned, what did our reaction to 9-11, was it proportional? Why did we go to Afghanistan? And then why did we go to Iraq? One of the things about your series is that you have lots and lots and lots of people who were saying the right things at the time it was happening. And they were ignored, they were they were shunned, they were whatever it was, but we had a lot of people. Scott Ritter was not mentioned, but he was an American who went to Iraq and said, uh-uh. I mean, Hans Blix, there are all kinds of things that were going on. Afghanistan is one thing. Iraq is historically a bad idea. I mean, on a historic level. Yeah. You have to go back to the Roman Empire, I think, to to, to come up with a blunder that matches what we what in my opinion what happened in Iraq. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. I think I think um, Dexter Filkins point, you know, I think there's, uh, you know, the series is called Turning Point and uh, there's a lot of uh, things that fit the bill of the turning turning point within the series, but probably nothing more so than the decision to go into Iraq. If you if you look at what happened with Afghanistan, as I said, I was there on the on the mm-hmm. one year anniversary. It was a period of optimism. There's no question about it. You know, there, there was a very palpable sense that the Taliban had left, that the Taliban were enormously oppressive to people, and a, an idea, a kind of optimism that, that things were going to change now, that, and that potentially the United States, through development, through, through their involvement, might actually facilitate that change. I, I feel like that's, that's a real thing that happened. But, you know, by 2003, we're, we're going to Iraq, and all of the uh, attention, all the money, all the military resources... Everything is being channeled in that direction. And within a few years, the Taliban are back. And really, you know, by 2006, 7, 8, it's been a clear march to the present moment where the Taliban are becoming resurgent. You know, Iraq probably meant a lot of things. But if you're looking at the war in Afghanistan, it's clearly where things started to go bad. Turning Point, 9-11 and the War on Terror. It is uh, currently running on Netflix. Uh, and I cannot recommend this strongly enough. It is so well done. There are so many wonderful kind of insights, incisive interviews with people who really know what was was happening, what this is about, and how not only did it change the lives of the Afghanis and the Iraqis, but it changed our lives. The, 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 the Homeland Security, uh, another bureaucracy on top of a whole bunch of other bureaucracies, hoping to become kind of the the, the point in which we would be able to make better decisions with our intelligence. Yeah. Was that a good thing or a bad thing? I think that's a debatable thing. The more bureaucracy involved in what we do, more monitoring of people's lives, it's had a direct impact on us, no matter, even if we don't want to recognize it. I agree. I agree. I mean, look, there's a lot of changes I think happened as a result of 9-11. Some of them probably do make us safer and we're smart. Others were uh, overboard. And some of them, you can argue, were never 
put up for the American people to, to make their own decisions in a transparent way. Surveillance is clearly one of those, uh, the sort of way that uh, mass sort of suspicionless dragnet surveillance of Americans uh, started happening after 9-11 uh, in a way that pretty clearly by most legal experts uh, was at odds with the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, which protects right. us from searches of our papers, artifacts and things, and uh, other laws, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act and all of that. So there were things that, that were clearly at odds with our basic constitutional values that were done. And maybe as a country, we, we think that that's important. Maybe we are scared enough. Maybe we think that we live in a new world where that stuff is necessary. But the truth is, with a lot of that, we just weren't given the option to, to but we, we, we didn't know about it. It was done in secret. And I think there's all sorts of problems with that. There's a wonderful section of the film where um, talking about Stellar Wind, John Ashcroft, the uh, attorney general at the time in a hospital room mm -hmm. near death. And he's brought in the Alberto Gonzalez and Andrew Card come in with this idea of a program that would have upped our surveillance of each of our country to a greater degree than ever before. And he had the wherewithal to say no. So there are some heroes. Never thought I would call John Ashcroft a hero. I know. But uh, but I but I have to, you know, I have to tip my hat to him for what he did. And there's just so much here. I, I really feel like we should have a five part interview to talk about yeah. <laughs> particular documentary series i want to thank but i do want to thank you brian for your work here uh you your the body of your work is pretty remarkable and this is certainly among that um turning point 9 11 and the war on terror we've been talking with the director brian knappenberger thank you so very much for being here thanks a lot thank you for having me You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.